What's up, everybody? It's Mike from LRMOnline.com, bringing you episode 18 of the LRM TV podcast. This episode, Mark and I got to sit down and interview a lovely, amazing, just beautiful person, uh, Sarah Carter. You guys may remember her from playing Margaret on Falling Skies, and most recently, she was uh, Harper Deacons on the show Rogue, which premiered on Audience Network, as well as Amazon. Um, we got to just discuss everything about her career and some of the roles she's taken on and some of the great places she's been to. Um, she's also talked to us about her songwriting and her music career that she's kind of just organically grew from um, out of her acting career and discussing her upcoming roles in uh, business ethics um, where she stars alongside Lorenz Tate in a new dark comedy and she has her own screenplay that just got picked up. She's about to do her directorial debut. This woman has done it all. She's had an amazing career. Um, I remember her from one of my favorite shows, Smallville, where she was Alicia Baker and had a fascination with Clark Kent. And so uh, it was kind of cool to get to discuss and talk about that role with, uh, with someone that from a show that I remember from my youth. So um, just probably the best interview I can say from my part hands down um, she is just an amazing person um, and just so full of life and everything so um, check out the interview and let us know what you think on the comment section uh, we hope to have her back later on after her movie business ethics debuts and we get to talk to her about that and some of the other great things she's done in her career Um, today has been fabulous. We lost Mark. I, oh. I'm i coming back. I'm right here. Sorry. Um, Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, I'm exhausted today, but in a really good way. I hold this women's group in my home called, we're called Exploding Roses. Oh, nice. And it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's become an international group of 500 women, over 500 women, and Every year, I host this four-day self-matrimony party, essentially. So it's all about, like, basically eating a lot of chocolate and drinking a lot of wine and laughing <laughs> nice. a lot. That's I awesome. Open awesome. Up, I know. It's really great. But I open up my whole house to a slumber party, essentially. So we get nice. about four hours of sleep a night. and But it's ridiculously fun. That is and, crazy. Yeah, so I'm kind of coming down off of that buzz a bit. <laughs> That's got to be a good break from all the work that you've been doing. Um, yeah, I'm actually just getting ready to go and shoot this film in Toronto, Business Ethics. So I'm shifting gears, but I've been on a break from acting. Not like not an official break, but I haven't been on set for about three months. That's not even true. I'm so full of shit. I just did Hawaii. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I thought that you were you were scheduled to be on five zero. So I did. There's a, there's a few jobs that are so much fun that they don't like count. Yeah, you seriously. Know? When you when you got the call of being on Hawaii five zero, you probably were like, "This is not work. This is more like a, a vacation than anything else." 
it was that exactly because I'd just come off of two seasons on the show called Rogue Mm -hmm. and I was playing this anxiety ridden cop who's, you know, just always running or shooting and like special effects. And then when I started that job, I'd just come off five years on Falling Skies and Mm -hmm. literally one day to relocate across the country um, and then start the same pace, actually an even heavier pace with with Rogue. So when the offer for Hawaii Five-O came in, I was lying in a pool of this awful fake blood, you know, that sticky... (laughs) The corn syrup, yeah. Exactly, right? And my whole body was depleted. And it and I wasn't allowed to move for continuity purposes. They had a stunt double for me and all that shit. But we were nearing the end of the day, and I just thought, I'm going to make this easier. I'll just lay here. So I had these crew members stepping over me and rushing around. And it was just a surreal experience because, do you know, I'm sure you know Ashley Green? Yeah. She's absolutely beautiful and she is. She came on and she actually kills me in the show. That's the way the show works. Rogue uh-huh. kind of like rotates their their female lead, and it kind of happens in this brutal way every time. So my death was this Mexican standoff with the gorgeous Ashley Green, and it was like you know that quintessential being shot for the next like beautiful thing to take the stand and I'm just like oh my career is over <laughs> and then I got the offer for Hawaii Five O and took off on a plane like two days later and life is fantastic but <laughs> oh, that's, I mean that's that's pretty amazing I mean to relocate like that to you know and go shoot in Hawaii and everything yeah, I mean like and Alex is a good friend of mine he's an old friend from Laurel Canyon here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So we hit it off and it was just a blast. So you probably how do you transition how do you transition that quickly in between roles? Uh you you don't it take it like your whole I my whole system goes through like a volcanic earthquake thing and I cry a lot sometimes and um my man is wonderful and just kind of listens to me talk about how disoriented and confused I am and I just want to go home and be with my dog and all that stuff it usually takes like two hours of that tantrum but I'm just used to it (laughs) when it happens that quickly I've been really lucky that my career has flowed the way that it has it's usually pretty consistent Um, and I'm always so grateful for the work so there's that buzz, and then there's the I won't go home and drink tea in my kitchen. And um, but I just had a beautiful stretch of that actually, and I'm feeling like I got what I needed in terms of getting grounded and making lots of music and writing a bunch of the things that acting takes me away from. Um, so I'm excited to get back on set, and this is this. Business ethics movie is a comedy, a twisted, dark comedy, which is my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's on the East Coast in Canada, which is my home. So, great. That's awesome. How do, how do you, I mean, you're an extremely talented entertainer. 
Um, do you have really a genre that you like the most? Because obviously you have um, TV and film and um, as well as um, your band and everything and uh, screenplay. How, do you have one that you prefer over the other or are they just um, different forms that you enjoy? Well, there's what I enjoy as an audience mm-hmm. member, and then there's what I enjoy as an artist. And I love... I guess both are true, but I haven't quite had the opportunity to do, you know, Miranda July. I love, do, do you know who she I is? I don't know. You don't? Okay. Oh. Well, she's this um, kind of quirky, poetic filmmaker. Mm-hmm. She stars in and writes all of her own work. She's a performance artist, but she tells these mundane narratives in such an absurd way that it's just like blows your heart open because she's just so true to who she is Mm -hmm. um i love artists like that and um you know in the spaces between that's probably what i'm cultivating for myself with this screenplay that i just wrote um and i i love as a musician i love bjork and, you know, I'm a Kate Bush fan. Oh, I yeah. hate. I actually didn't admit that to my husband until last week. Oh, oh really? But yeah, he'd, he'd leave the house, and I would just blast Kate Bush and do weird modern dance all over the house. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually sort of like hid hid my Kate Bush albums because it felt so nerdy. But she just. <laughs> makes my soul scream and then I started taking these dance classes I was a dancer in high school or whatever and then I took a few classes in university but I never took myself seriously as a dancer because that's a whole other beast that I have mad respect for um but I thought you know what like I I have so (laughs) that's kind of what's coming out right now both musically and just as a performance artist exploring those weirder aspects of myself mm-hmm. uh, but I love action I really do mm-hmm. I feel so grateful to have been a part of Falling Skies and even before that building up I went on that crazy adventure in China on DOA mm-hmm. that really weird <laughs> video movie um but just the training process for that was such a blessing because we we trained for six months intensively we actually were paid to start working out in the olympic gym in los angeles that's crazy isn't that amazing yeah yeah we were paid to train playing volleyball on venice beach and roller i got to rollerblade and samurai sword fighting and wire training oh wow yeah they didn't give us um they didn't give us stunt doubles when we got there because everyone was Chinese and we were the guinea mm. production for Mission Impossible 3. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they were using us as like test dummies, basically. <laughs> um, but that's, it, that's really fun for me. And I, I dream of working with, you know, Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill is mm-hmm. probably my favorite movie, actually. Nice. Does that answer your question? I was sort of. I'm. I'm. Oh really, yeah. I'm like delirious right now. So this is probably. 
it's either a good time to do an interview or it's a disaster. It's good for um, us right no. now. No, it's definitely good. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, so out of all the roles that you've had, what would you say has been, I guess, the most difficult? Oh, wow. Like acting uh-huh. was, would probably be Rogue. The job Rogue. that, yeah. Rogue. I just, there's, you know, lots of dialogue and having to understand the ins and outs of being a detective, all the legal jargon, right. which I was sort of privy to from being on Shark for a couple of years. But anytime I play a professional, I try to make sure that I do my homework. And mm. Yeah, just wrapping your mouth around that language and get, getting my body into a different kind of shape. Yeah, Rogue anyway, was such like a, an, an emotional um, yeah. roller coaster of a show. Like from yeah. first season to second season and everything, it was so heavy on that. Um, being on that show, um, was it because it was on um, Audience Network and Amazon, did they approach it differently or was there anything different done with yeah. it um, than normal network shows? Yeah, I could feel that I was on. Um, a more liberated show in a way, you know, they were taking risks and everyone involved was a little more passionate. They, it was actor centric. They wanted to get great performances out of, well, they, you know, Richard Schiff is just a genius. Right. Uh, So the bar was raised in that sense. And, um, it almost felt like an indie. It almost felt like mm. being in an indie movie because, you know, we were really pushing to get an audience and we had to make a great show if it was going to be seen. There, there was no guarantee. You know, like when you're on a network show, there's a formula. Right. If you follow it, this many people are going to see it. If it fails, it's not any one person's heart, you know, uh-huh. on the line. It's this, it's like a machine that you jump on and go for a ride you know yeah because i remember um with like when audience first uh tested it out it was with uh friday night lights they did it where they they showed the season um in the uh prior to showing on nbc to see if people would pick up on it and you could tell that the show definitely took a different tone when it was when audience picked it up and it, it definitely i think helped it survive as long as it did, um, you know, what was it, six seasons, seven seasons on there. So I think, and then Rogue was the first one, right? Oh, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Rogue was the first, you know, to the audience and Amazon created um, strictly, you know, for that channel. It wasn't combined, right? Yeah, I think uh. that's right. And then AT&T jumped in. Right. It expanded further. Yeah, it seems like they're they're taking shows and their programming is definitely more is a, is a definite change in the in the programming style. I would say like more uh, adult oriented, um, having more uh, like say passion for the audience type deal, and in not really like you said doing that formula that the network has. They're they're more concerned about the storyline and the plot line than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, li- a little edgier. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm a big fan of Smallville, and you were cool. on that. <laughs> um, I know your your character uh, ended up dying on the show, but 
since the DC universe has made a big comeback with Arrow and Flash, if they were to propose an offer to you, since like on uh, Supergirl they had Dean Cain and Linda, yeah. Linda Carter coming on, would you accept that role and come back as Alicia Baker? Totally. totally. That was such an intense role. It was so long ago, but right. I love her. She was so, so sick and oh, yeah. so sweet. And she had just had a, she had so much love for Clark. That was it. Tortured little beauty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. She was just um, like a psycho, a sweet psychotic lover. It was really fun to play because I just played how much I loved him, and then all of the the crazy shit was incidental. So I, you know, obviously I have an affinity for her. It's like, oh, Alicia, you're so lonely and sweet and lovely and well-intended. You just can't handle yourself. Yeah. yeah no, that, was, that was great. And Tom Welling was lovely to work with. Um, Kristen Crook. It was just this sweet, sad. And then, of course, Greg Beeman mm-hmm. is now a very close friend of mine. That was a blessing. You think you guys would have a maybe a reunion show now with everything how popular the comic book shows are now these days? I I'm open. Open. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I know that when Mark and I we go to a lot of comic conventions, do coverages there, and the amount of people that you know still have a a, a fascination with Smallville is still it's it's crazy. It's I mean it's just so many people. That is. What's that? What. What do you think it is about the show? I think because Smallville was the first of its kind. It was the 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 origin story of Clark, and it um, and the the audience that it was targeting at that time it was the teenage group, you know, in the late '90s, early 2000s, and that group has been so dedicated to the comic book movie and TV shows, and they go to the conventions that. They're like those fans are straight loyal. Um, you know, you still see you know fans rocking around with the Smallville shirts or like the 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 T-shirt. How you know they made it look like you know for Superman and everything. And so um, I just think that the way that that show was set up by introducing um, the Superman universe and you know and but making it more humanistic than anything else. I think that's what basically brought you know a lot of fans to it and still like hold a fascination to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, too, I mean, it was ahead of its time, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even a lot of, like, younger kids, because Mike and I are both teachers. You know, I had a kid at my school about a month ago who had a Smallville shirt on. And I was like, Smallville? And he he's like, yeah, and he likes the genre so much that someone else got him into it. And, you know, and then, like, it just keeps going. And it's just, like I said, because it's so popular right now, um, it was really like Mike said, a first, and so there's a still very much a following for it. Yeah, you guys are both teachers. Yep, we are. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What age? What age? Where? High school. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we were Thank both high school you. teachers uh, in North Carolina, so in in Charlotte area, so. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you for I doing that. Bet. I was a dance teacher in high school, and then I ended up working here. I miss kids so much. I used to take out um, sort of 
troubled teens uh, and do canoe trips in Canada. And then when I came out here, my theater company was associated with uh, this place called Camp Kilpatrick, and it's for delinquent teen boys. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but it was like basically the the Crips and it was the whole gang scene over mm-hmm. there. And it was like Dangerous Minds. I walked in there. <laughs> and they, and like the beautiful thing is that they had to stay at their desks and there was a guard there, you know? Um, and so they were, they were forced to listen to me. They were forced to be mm-hmm. open. And then art and writing is just so uh, trans- transformational and, mm-hmm. and transcendent that mm-hmm. it actually worked. And in three months, they put together this show and invited their families. And oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Me with like experiences of my life. I don't know. They probably still think I'm nuts or something. I'm probably like, talking about me behind my back. Uh, don't worry about it. They do that with us surprised. all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I, rem- you know, that's, that's what it is to be. And that's why I went like that because mm. it's such an important job and it's such a difficult job because they're at that age where they just, they want to mm. reject everything that they're being taught. And at the same time, when you think back to yourself in high school, when I think back to myself in high school, mm. those were probably some of the most important mentors sure. you know so anyway kudos that's great thank you oh, thank you uh, could you tell us a little bit more about you so currently um business ethics is in production um could you tell us a little bit more about that and what uh i guess um fans and audience can expect from that yes it is um a dark comedy about a corrupt investor um who I mean, he gets off on stealing people's money. And the uh, the story is about our sort of our own propensity to root for that. Like you, it's written so that you want him to win this game. Mm. And my character is sort of his wingman, his secretary, and I'm infatuated with him. Mm. Um, and... I sort of delude myself into thinking that we have this special relationship and he's manipulating me the whole time. And, um, you know, at the end of this wild ride, basically, well, I don't know. Should I be saying what happens with this? Do you guys edit this or is this this? You just we can. Like, I mean, we can edit it, but it's yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. Oh, so good. The ending is the best part. I want to say it. So this is a part of the episode where Sarah breaks down the very end of business ethics for us. And since we don't want to spoil that for you guys, we thought it would be a good opportunity to promote some of the other things on LRMonline.com for you guys to check out. Um, So make sure you sign up and subscribe for LRM TV podcast and also sign up for the Los Fanboys podcast where Joseph Jammer Medina, Mario Francisco Robles, and Calvin Chavez all do their great, amazing things about breaking down all the movie, te- television news, and kind of going into more uh, about the scoop stories for the week and kind of predicting what's going on in the Marvel TV world um, and also DC TV and DC movie world as well. Um, make sure you check out uh, Comic Uno's 
weekly uh, rundown where she basically gives her thoughts on the comics, television shows, and movies she's watched over the past week. Um, she gives a great insight in some of the non-popular, I would say, um, comic books that really should get a lot of love. And she does a great job breaking that down. And she gives a very good, insightful uh, view on the um, genres of TV show that maybe not everyone watches. So make sure you check her out. I really do enjoy her her uh, podcast and video updates as well. Um, every Wednesday we have Edward Douglas as the Weeping Warrior who promotes all the big upcoming films as well as the indie films and gives his thoughts and reviews about each film as well as his predictions for box office hits. He um, He's pretty pretty amazing. He's been doing this for over 12 years now and he's basically spot on. If there's a movie that's about to come out that you aren't sure about, check out his articles and he gets you all the insightful details you need to know and gives you his thoughts on whether you should check it out or not. Um, he also has a lot of exclusive interviews that he goes out to all the film festivals and he's running around interviewing people, actors, directors, writers, left and right. So um, make sure you check in daily to see when his uh, posts usually post up. Usually on Tuesdays is when he gets his big interviews up and then on Wednesdays it's his article, The Weekend Warrior. Um, we're also introducing a new podcast uh, in the next couple weeks, so make sure you check that out. It's a comic book podcast with our very own Emmanuel Gomez, who's been doing our comic book reviews along with some of the other guys. He's bringing on his buddy from California on, and they're giving a weekly show on different concepts and everything to go on with um, everything about comics. So make sure you check all these great things out on LRM on online.com and we're going to be heading back to the interview now so none of the spoiling issues of all the great things of business ethics will ruin it for you make sure you check out business ethics when it comes back out podcast once a week and it's just been a one thing after the other so great it's just fun oh yeah it's i mean it's for me it's just a lot of fun it's kind of like my my dreams growing up was to do this. I like I I don't what you do as acting is unbelievable. I couldn't do that. Um, I just I would get so like stage fright or even just like watching myself, uh, you know, act or anything like that on screen. I couldn't do that. But to be able to still be somewhat a part of the scene and like in the backgrounds, that's what I, I mean. To me, this has been the ultimate thrill. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how life works out like that. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you just you just end up doing something that you love if you're if you let yourself play, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. So, did we lose him entirely? Is it? Over? I think so. I've I've tried to keep adding him, and I don't know. Maybe if his internet connection went out, or let me text him real quick. This is funny. This is. All night last night, I prepped and made sure everything was good to go. And then Tim calls me, and he has an issue. And all right, let's see. I actually just have like five more minutes. Oh, okay. Well, all right. So I mean, I can finish this up. And um, I wanted to kind of talk about your music because I know that's a big passion of yours. Um, so how do you pronounce the actual name of your band? 
Sanguine Drake. Sanguine Drake. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure I didn't mispronounce it. I would hate to be talking to you and saying it the wrong way. So it's your middle name and then um, the other founders. Was it uh, David Drake, his last yeah. name? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, kind of tell me about like what um, what motivates you and for your style of music because it's kind of to me it's the it's reminiscent of a little bit of um, Fleetwood Mac because your 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 voice has a lot of Stevie Nicks in it. I mean, when I uh, I listened to it, you know, this week and everything, I was like, man, this has a lot of you know Fleetwood Mac slash Stevie Nicks to it. Music just happened. It just happened. I was on that show Shark for two years straight and most of that was shot in a studio mm-hmm. so it was a lot of time in concrete walls and a lot of tight business suits and a lot of scenes where I just have one word or one line yeah in five pages a lot of stilettos <laughs> and and sort of like this stern expression <laughs> um, so I was exhausted and artistically dry after that run and I actually I was sort of young and um I didn't know if this is what I wanted to do I thought like yeah this is great I'm making good money um I love where I live in Los Angeles but I don't I don't feel like this is going to make me happy for the rest of my life And so I am kind of an extreme person and I totally quit the business. I like had heartfelt conversations with my representatives. I was at a great agency and had a beautiful manager. And I just said, you know what, guys, like I'm out. And then I went and met a girlfriend in India Mm -hmm. and we were there for quite a while. And that's when I started writing and I didn't really play guitar um, but I, I just realized that this is something that I should do. So I kept it to myself and then I wrote a bunch of songs and then I recorded an album with friends in Montreal, Canada. And, uh, I had this, this album and I, and I wanted to play out cause I'm a performer, but I, I knew that I was raw and new and the songs were brutally honest and, my voice to me was like totally underdeveloped and my guitar playing was like, let's call it creative. Um, so I changed my name. I just went by Sanguine uh-huh. and I played in little dive bars all over LA, which there are many, many of, um, and kind of got my footing and I loved it. Like if one or two people, three was excellent we're in the audience, just like random drunks at the yeah. bar. That that I realized that was this weird fantasy of mine to just be that vulnerable and honest. And you know, if I could, if I could reach one person, there was something more fulfilling to me as an artist in that than being on CBS on a giant show and like the New York upfronts and Comic-Con and blah, 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 like all of that. Right. Great. But I, I didn't feel myself. So I did that for months. And then another dream of mine was to act in New York. I wanted, I trained to be on stage and that had never happened. So I spent 
my uh, like the, whatever I didn't have much money and I bought myself a one-way ticket to New York and this is completely crazy but I bonded with the guy who I sat beside on the way to mm-hmm. New York he's like a Princeton grad and he seemed really stable and normal and cool and he <laughs> was um so when I when I got there I had this apartment rented that I'd never seen mm-hmm. and when and then there were bed bugs in it Oh my gosh. Uh. Yeah, so I had nowhere to be and I called this guy gave me his number thinking like, Oh yeah, we'll go for a drink in New York. <laughs> You're here. I called him and I'm like, uh, hey man, uh this is crazy, but and not like I don't mean anything, but <laughs> I seriously don't have a place to stay. And this is Only in New York would that work though. Only in New York. Right. Anywhere else uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't work at all. He was so incredible. He invited me into his tiny Soho apartment, and he had two roommates. So I was living with three guys for over a month in New York. Um, But that's what got my career started again because I ran out of money. And um, I called a friend of mine who's who was a manager and is still my manager now. He's mm-hmm. just he was just a buddy at the time, and I I just said, hey, I need you to manage my career. Like I don't want to start interviewing with agents, but if I get offers, or basically, can you send me out like pronto for any audition you can find me in New York? And um, I auditioned for White Collar, that show White Collar. Yeah. And I got it right away. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is what I do. I got to get real. I, mean, <laughs> I do. So then I just started up again. But that's, that's awesome. my music story. So I realized, like, yes, I need the music so that I'm Keep happy and I can do something but in the spaces between. And then my, my partner, David, he... Um, came to see a few of my shows and he really liked what I was doing and so we started writing together and Sanguine Drake was born. That's awesome. And then you've added awesome. you added a couple more members to the band, right? Yeah, and then I'm, my husband is the guitar player. Oh, okay. We he was the like he was the assistant camera operator on one of our little music videos, like little music oh. videos, and I just felt it right away and I didn't tell him that I felt everything that I felt um and then I you know he he played music and I was like do you want to be in the band and then we had three (laughs) guitars which we didn't need probably um so actually my husband and I he my husband's brilliant musician which I didn't know at the time um and now we have this whole new project happening which it's really exciting. So the Sanguine Drake, we it's still there, mm-hmm. but um, it's shifting. Anyway, yeah, you have, my music is is my heart, and and that's where I play. That's when awesome. I'm not that's awesome. Yeah. That you're, you're able to do that, and you have a a channel to get away from all the the business side of, you know what exactly. what you do professionally. You have something else, and that's that's always key to keep yourself balanced and stuff. So. Yeah, it keeps me sane. Um, and the uh, and now I can really feel like the, I'm at an amazing agency right now, and they have this awesome music department. And I met with their theater and music department in New York, and they're representing me as a screenwriter. And like, finally, it's taken me so long, but finally, it's just all coming together. And I I don't know what the hell's gonna happen, but I'm happy. It's, that's really all that matters. Happy. That's right? all. That, yeah. Like, first time in my life. I'm not like 
spinning plates and and doing the <laughs> chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> no, I mean that's what, you're happy. That's key. You got a, a good a big movie coming out soon. You you know you got your music. You got your husband. You know that's that's yeah. what life is all about. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Mark, you got anything left to say? Um, you know, we're just really thankful that you even um, took the opportunity to speak with us. I mean, we, we were, you know, he uh, sent me a message about a week or two ago and telling me that this was going to happen. And, you know, we were both really pumped about it. So we thank you for even, uh, you know, taking the time and giving us this opportunity. No, that's, I'm, I love Tim. So like pretty, if Tim asked me to do anything, I'm just like, yes. Well, <laughs> Whatever you need from us to promote your uh, your music, your movie, business ethics, we will do that. We Thank will... you. Yes. Oh, you guys asked about Nosferatu as well. Have you have you talked to Doug Jones? No, not yet. Do you love him? Yes. Do you know about Doug yeah. Jones? Yes. Do you know about Doug Jones? Not, not <laughs> maybe the way you know Doug Jones, but I, like... <laughs> he, that he's an angel, that he's an otherworldly being. Right. Um, yeah. He he's uh, he asked me to do Nosferatu because it was his dream to play that role, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's going to be a great. Pro- I'm sure you'll see him and everyone involved on the Comic Con circuit. Right, yeah. Um, oh, Doug's popular on the con circuit with his, yeah. from his time on Hellboy and everything. I, he gets harassed every time I see him at the conventions. He gets harassed asking if they're going to do another Hellboy movie. And he's just like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> so sweet with everyone. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And have you ever seen anything like this? No. I've never seen anything like it because yeah, he's a superstar at the comic cons, and he makes sure he make he every person feels special and seen, and he's my hero in oh, that yeah. way. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. I'll tell him about you guys if you if I if I can help you connect to anybody like that. Oh, that'd um, be great. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So. Yeah. Well, we don't want to keep you any longer. I know you got, yeah. You, you, I go. yeah, you got your stuff you have to do. So thank you again so much for taking some time out and talking with us. All right. Hey, guys. All right. Bye.